The Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. New features like the available Pro Access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo, including when towing a trailer, so it's easier to load in tight spaces. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro Access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, the innovator of violence, the landlord of the House of Hardcore, Tommy Dreamer, and I talk about his main event match at Impact Wrestling last night against Ace Austin. The whole experience, wrestling in Mexico, and again, Starting the show and ending the show, he has some great stories that he's going to share with you, the Busted Open Nation. Also, we talk about the two new signees for the WWE, Tim Thatcher and Killer Cross. Where are they going to be and how do they fit in? We talk about that and also we talk about John Cena's comments with Sports Illustrated and how Brock Lesnar, to him, in his opinion, the greatest in-ring performer of all time. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Tommy, tell us about the show last night, your main event match with Ace Austin and the experience in Mexico. Well, uh, I thought the show was uh, very, very good. We saw Tessa Blanchard defend her title against uh, one of the Reno scum. I love Vikingo versus TJP. Vikingo is one hell of an athlete. He reminds me of a young Rey Mysterio. Another person I'm very, very high on, Tarus, who has the yes. best mask in professional wrestling that I've ever seen. Great match with Rhino. Versus Rhino. The Gore versus the Gore. Special referee Al Gore, run in by Moose. Um, and then myself versus Ace Austin. Uh, we went about 20-plus minutes live. Uh, the match was edited a little bit during commercial break due to time constraints. But... Um, you know, I had a, a segment on the Edge, the now defunct Edge and Christian show, where it was Tales from the Indies, and I was thinking about if the people only knew what goes the behind the scenes would be interesting for our listeners, and uh, that match that I had was day two of a Mexico City loop, and uh, I'll tell you, this is just me. Uh, a f- soon-to-be 49-year-old man. My, I fly from JFK to Mexico City. You got to clear customs. You got to go all through that. Then I got to wait an hour before I get to my hotel because you got to wait for um, the other wrestlers to get there because there's shuttles that uh, AAA helps us uh, accommodate all the travel. So I had to sit in the airport after I land another hour, go to my room, uh, and then we're going over the show for the next morning. 
which this same show I've gone over a million times and I hate it and I try to disengage, but I have to be told to pay attention sometimes mm-hmm. because I'm also exhausted. You know, yeah. traveling is, is hard. This is about two, three o'clock in the morning, by the way. Then the very next morning we have uh, the production meeting, which goes at about, I think we started at 12 o'clock. No, one o'clock because of uh, the Friday. No, it was one o'clock, yeah. So um, we have the production meeting where we're going to talk about the same show that I just talked about a couple hours ago. And then not only my wrestling, I'm also agenting a couple of matches and also have to cut promos and, you know, have to put together matches, all that stuff. Uh, We tape two weeks of television. Some wrestlers are working twice, but Impact is very, very cool with their schedule in the sense of we look to see what wrestlers are working once or twice. So if not, we also sometimes shoot out of order or, okay, well, they're going to cut a promo this week, wrestle the next week, or they're going to wrestle and then do a tag because, you know, that's kind of how you have to operate. So uh, you're running around all day. And I think that day I also had three matches I had to agent, which means, you know, try to get their help them if they need help. But I'm a very liberal agent where I let people put together their stuff if there's stuff to change or I like to throw questions at them to help teach them. But then I have to go in the actual truck and you tell the people in the truck, stay on this camera shot. Don't show this if this is going to happen. Hey, there's going to be aftermath after the show. You're you're helping the director call shots for the show. To literally at one point, I was Tessa's agent for the Adam uh, Thornstow match, and I had to make the save. I literally ran from the truck wow. to the thing, and everyone's looking for me, but uh, I was really agenting, and I really did come make the save. Because I had a lot further uh, run than most people had to do. It wasn't right at that curtain. So uh, earlier in that day, too, and and putting together a match, and also you're wrestling with somebody you never wrestled before, and uh, I see a a bright future for Ace Austin. And to go 20 minutes to 25 minutes is is something. And from my first running, your adrenaline is up, and then your adrenaline goes back down. I hate that because I'd rather just go right from there. Um, putting together the match that's to me, I look at that match. It was like a best of Tommy dreamer hits. It was like a kiss concert. You're going to give everything that he's got. Um, and I'm going to do my best to try to help take this person and he's going to help his best to make me look like I'm not an old, slow, fatty Magoo. So I remember that day. Plus I'm tired. You have to. I had a lot of coffee, and then I had a Red Bull or a oh Monster, boy. and it was about man. You got to understand that the days fly so by. The last time I ate was about four o'clock. I'm going into the ring; it's close to eleven o'clock at night, and I remember wrestling. And there's Mexico City; the altitude is a lot different, and I was struggling. I remember at one point, I kind of felt like uh, when Apollo was getting his ass kicked by. Um, Drago and he looked at Rocky and he was like don't throw in that towel and I was like am I going to die here in Mexico City because I could not catch my breath and I was just like was your heart racing I felt like that yes and also it's this is a weird feeling that I haven't felt in a long time I used to feel like this all the time in ECW minus like I can't catch my breath 
the when you're bleeding a lot, one you can't see it's in your eyes and it covers your contacts. Also, you can taste your own blood when you're bleeding as much as I have as well as I did at this match. You can also taste it in your mouth. Um and you're bleeding a lot. I'm also higher altitude. I'm also 48 years old. And when I say this, I mean this. And anyone who's ever been a part of it, whenever it's time to blow your comeback, you have to be able to blow your comeback. And the fans cheering for you really does give you something. Because in my crazy head, I can't let people down. Because uh, the fans have paid to see me. And being in the main event is a responsibility. And whether... You know, I'm main eventing a show for Impact Wrestling and about 2,000 people in Mexico City. I take that with responsibility. But if I was the first match uh, and open up the show or wherever, I always have something, I guess, called pride. And I remember when I had to, like, I was like, and the referee, the referees are telling you, hey, you got eight to go. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm dying out here. Like, I really, my, my lungs hurt. Whatever, finish the match. Um, I lost. Shocker. What do you and, uh, um, not to interrupt? But what do you do in that situation? Like you have an opponent in the ring. Like is he aware of the struggles that you're going through at that time? Because you hear eight minutes and you're like you don't know what's going on with your body. You're struggling. Like how do you communicate that to the person that you're in the ring with? If I needed him to slow down, I would not move. I would just say if he was forgetting. Or it when you say you have to call an audible, mm-hmm. like when I, I hang on, I'll get back to for instances. But there's ways to just like a guy goes to pick you up. You are not picking up Tommy Dreamer if he doesn't want to get up. Uh, you're not going to execute anything on me if I don't want it to be executed. But or I could just say, hey, I need a break. But I didn't because also I'm wrestling a 22, 23 year old kid who is quickly becoming a rising star and I don't want him to know that I'm struggling unless like or I felt my I didn't listen man I'm different like if I was to die in the ring and I know this is uh, a crazy thing to say it would be okay I'm dying doing something that I love and like yeah I want people to be sad I'd also want the show to continue I'd want be like oh dreamer died doing something he loved I'm okay with that I'm not going to risk my health to the sense of you know, I'm way past my prime. I don't want to uh, die in the ring. I'm just saying if something like that happened, cool, it happens. Um, it was just, you also, and bully, when we teach it at the school, you get lost in your head. If you start blowing up, as we say in wrestling, m- your mind makes it happen so much faster. Like, you know, uh, if you go in for an MRI, my daughter went for an MRI and she's not afraid of closed spaces, but then all of a sudden she's like, but then my mind started thinking all these things and then you start getting scared. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of eased myself back. I was like, hey man, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. And I'm fin- sure that's like ang- that's anxiety too, so that's not going to help your breathing. That's, Correct. Yeah, so. But the biggest thing I think was the amount of uh, blood loss that I had and- after the match, I went in the back and I was like, "You okay?" I wasn't myself. I just felt I wasn't myself. And I'm also in Mexico. I, you know, we have a paramedic at uh, all the impact shows. And she, I was like, "Hey, can I just get a bandage?" And I was like, "You know what? Can you test my blood pressure?" And you know, just I want to make sure. And they're like, "Oh, you okay?" And I was like, "No, I don't feel right." And 
doctors. They did my blood pressure and they're like, your blood pressure is actually perfect. They're, and I always, I weirdly always have good blood pressure, as fat as I am, because um, I exercise, uh, I do cardio every day. Mm -hmm. I train very hard to look this bad. And uh, I was just like, okay. And they were like, the lady was just like, you lost a lot of blood. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I'm not dizzy. I just feel, I felt weird. I felt off. And uh, so, and when I say I haven't felt this way in ECW, like ECW, and again, it was the 90s, like I used to just bleed buckets and just, you'd come back, back in the day, we used to take aspirin. So it thins out your blood. So you bleed more, you know, yeah, hey, you're bleeding. Um, but it, it's, it's second nature to me, like, oh yeah, I'll just start bleeding. And it'll be okay, but that's not okay, yeah. especially the older you get. And uh, you know, even like with Ace Austin, um, I there wasn't I wasn't blading. I had him stick a card in my head, and I also kind of helped him stick a card in my head and just make me start bleeding. I helped it. I feel it did add to the match. I have been blood tested. It's you know kind of old school, but at times Impact has to do things like that. We never tell people to get color. If you want to, you can. If not, but I don't mind it. I'll do it right here if you need me to. Um, I noticed now at the beginning of Impact, they actually have the viewer discretion advised at the start of the show because I think you're seeing a lot of things in Impact that, you know, is a little bit different than what you're seeing in other shows. Well, you also have on to. TV. You have to be able to push the envelope a little bit yeah. to try to compete with the WWEs and, and uh, the AEWs of the world. So uh, now... The next day, and coming down from that rush, like, I don't sleep after that. I love, and I say this, like, I watched my match back uh, the other, last week, and I was like, man, I was moving slow. I, I did not like my performance, and I did not like it at all. But when you're, I guess, the fans liked it, which is cool, but I was like, man, I got to lose weight. I got to do this. I don't ever want to feel that way ever again. But then, like, there's things that fans don't realize. The very next, I could not sleep. The very next day, we have to do day three and wrestle again. And then the next day, you have to get on an airplane. You, you fly. My flight was at 6. They picked me up at 3 in the morning. Trying to sit uh, in a plane, even though I was in first class, thank God I had the um, reclinable bed seat. And then, like, I remember, like, I, and I said this on the air, I bruised my taint from the ladder. And everyone's like, oh, how did you do that? Like, how did you do that without hurting yourself? And I was just like, I just open up my legs and I fall in between a ladder and the ladder stops me. And I also had a perfect symmetrical bikini line bruise from the other side of the ladder on my butt. Yikes. And flying for four and a half hours. Also, when you fly, your head opens up, which is always nice to be bleeding in first class. But I think they give you napkins. And then uh, the next day, you're trying to recoup. You have to be a father. You have to be a regular person. Yeah, your family doesn't care how hard you work while you're away. You have the duties that a you father have, has you at have, home. You had to come host busted open. Yep. You got to do all normal things. You got to go to the gym. You got to do everything part of your normal routine and why i guess this is my busted open tales from the indies because like this is what every wrestler goes through minus bruising their taint and uh having someone stick a laminated card in their forehead um you know the the men and women you know tonight in aew or nxt or or from monday night raw uh you saw cody last night 
uh, all day yesterday, if you follow him on social media, putting out all his, he's doing morning radios, yep. he's doing the entire thing, and then tonight he's going to get 10 lashes. Um, th- there's wrestlers who, you think about the Young Bucks, um, SCU, they fly from the West Coast always, usually to the East Coast, every single Saturday, I mean, I'm sorry, Wednesday, to do what they do. And, and you know, the men and women of, of WWE do this all the time, and then they go overseas right after TVs. So uh, that's just me and my life on a specific show that aired on television. So I just felt I would share it with the fans of what we go through. And my elbow is still messed up from elbow dropping a chair from the second rope. Or I did another thing where I jumped off the second rope with um, the Singapore cane and he kicked me. And you know how you get stopped? He kicks you in the chest and then you just fall. And I remember like, and even afterwards, I thought I had a concussion, but I was fine. I just was the the whole this medical thing of losing a lot of blood while you're wrestling, as well as wrestling for 25 minutes, is something. So, and I know everybody appreciates what the men and women do for their entertainment, but that's just you know when you talk about ratings or if you talk about things that you don't like, maybe you could take the other side of seeing what the men and women of WWE, AEW, and everything that we do, because we love it as much as we love you. Quit. Makers of the Quip Electric Toothbrush wants you to know the one single discovery that matters most for your dental care. It's simply this, that if you have good habits, you are good. That means brushing for two minutes twice a day and flossing regularly no matter what brand you use. Quip makes that simple, starting with an electric toothbrush, refillable floss, and anti-cavity toothpaste. Quip's electric brush has sensitive, sonic vibrations with a built-in timer and 30-second pulses to guide a full and even clean. The Quip Floss Dispenser comes with pre-marked string to help you use just enough. Plus, Quip delivers fresh brush head, floss, and toothpaste refills to your door every three months with free shipping, so your routine is always right. Join over 3 million healthy mouths and get Quip today starting at $25. And if you go to quip.com busted right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com busted. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash busted. Quip, the good habits company. So what do you think of the two new signings? For the WWE. And kudos to uh, Drew McIntyre for dropping a little Impact Wrestling and acknowledging his past on the uh, show. Revitalized um, his career. Hells yeah. You know who brought him there? Tommy Dreamer. Nice. Did he say me? I didn't watch the show. Did he say Tommy Dreamer? Uh, give me the call. And, uh, uh, did he say that? I don't recall him that going son of a bitch. Your name or... Uh, uh, well, that's how he speaks. <laughs> you know, Bully's best friend, Drew McIntyre, from that other lame cocaine yeah, show. Stump. Yeah. <laughs> uh, their hirings Timothy Thatcher both uh, older wrestler excellent wrestler I don't want to say older like Tommy Dreamer older but I think he's in his mid 30s uh, I've wrestled him very very good uh, I don't he's not a prototypical WWE wrestler and hopefully that difference is what makes him stand out and I think he'd be a good addition to any roster. I think he's very, very talented. 
and I think he might do best in like WWE, WWE, WWE UK because of his style and uh, should do well there. Kevin Cross, um, I think he needs a developmental system to develop as a wrestler for the WWE system and would do well with the training in WWE and with minds behind him helping him become a better in-ring performer. His promos are off the charts, and he needs to be more seasoned for WWE. As of uh, that's NXT is a perfect place for him to be. Yeah, I agree with you, and you're right. You ha- there's a difference between everything else and the WWE, the way they do things, uh, wrestling for a TV product as well. So I, I think there, there's definitely some seasoning involved with that for sure. Absolutely, he uh, he will do well there. Uh, with you know some behind the scenes uh, help out both in and out of the ring and hopefully it's uh, what I've noticed with a lot of uh, signings it's either sink or swim mm-hmm. and or it's WWE is signing people just to get them not to go other places so you know we'll see because I mean they have a boatload of people that they're not doing anything with that's interesting so. that you say that because, like, well, first of all, Killer Cross is somebody that's kind of been in limbo for a while. We saw him on TV on Impact Wrestling, and then he's kind of been off the grid doing a lot of indie shows for sure. Um, I had the opportunity to talk to him about three or four months ago, and he's spitting at the bit. Now he's getting the opportunity with the WWE, so you know, good luck to him, and we'll see where that goes. Timothy Thatcher, of course, is a legend. Um, outside of the WWE, um, I, I'm I'm interested in two, but you just I am interested in both of them. But you just said something that's very very interesting, Tommy, and the fact that they have so many guys on the roster that they're not doing anything with. And one example of that is somebody that we just saw this past Monday, Eric Young. Eric Young, who is a former TNA World Champion, you know, went to NXT, was a part of Sanity. They were doing a lot of things with that group. They moved over to SmackDown, and it kind of just died from there. And then knowing how talented Eric Young is in the ring and on the microphone and seeing him just, you know, losing a match in two minutes, it's, boy, you talk about guys that they're not doing things with, that they could do things with, and they're signing new talent on top of that. It's it's definitely a, a, a treasure trove of wrestlers for the WWE right now. Yeah, and especially, you know, also coming from impact you'll see there's there's people who are thriving the aj styles the samoa joes um drew mcintyre not that he's an impact guy um or or you look at john morrison's return you know but john morrison was a wwe guy drew mcintyre was a wwe guy um they got reinvented or found new career life in impact wrestling and you know at times i look at impact wrestling as they financially cannot compete with the WWE or AEW, and it should be a kind of like how ECW was the stomping ground with national television or a very, very passionate fan base behind the wrestlers, and they enjoy their time there, and then they, they move forward to somewhere else. I think that that's how Impact should market a lot of their wrestlers slash uh 
their company in the sense of, hey, we're probably not going to be able to keep you forever, but if you want to stay here, we're going to use you to the best of your ability. And they do get a lot out of talent. And, you know, the other side of the coin is there are some talents that get exposed when they do go to WWE. And, you know, they're like, oh, how come they were such a big deal somewhere else? In fact, uh, sometimes goes the uh, let's mask some of these mm-hmm. things, the old ECW way of let's highlight your positives and hide your negatives. But at times that doesn't that doesn't happen uh, other places. So when you look at these two signings for the WWE, just from the outside looking in and obviously knowing the wrestlers and knowing how the WWE works, do you look at them as two wrestlers that could definitely succeed in the world of the WWE? And now I'm, we're just saying that as an early prediction because I, I remember when John Moxley signed with the WWE, I was like, man, there's no way this guy's going to click and work in the WWE. You know, he doesn't have the body for the WWE, and obviously his wrestling style does not fit the WWE. And Dean Ambrose became one of the top superstars in the WWE. Now, he wasn't happy. He felt he was stifled creative-wise, but I never saw him as somebody that would succeed. Daniel Bryan was somebody that I didn't know would be able. Bryan Danielson would be somebody that would succeed in the WWE. One of the top superstars had one of the greatest WrestleMania moments. So, obviously, when you make these predictions and you look at it from the outside before it starts, you can have a different opinion. But do you see these two succeeding? The biggest part is also their age. Mm -hmm. You're on a clock, once you get hired and when you get hired and you're a wrestler who's been around for a while and or have already been on television so you have a, a fan base you have so you know social media you have to be fast-tracked because let's say let's if you're 34 years old if you're going to spend a year in NXT you're now 35 you're getting called up to the main roster at 36 years old how much time do you have as a performer before well is this guy going to main event wrestlemania at 37 or you know so you need to understand that you have to pick up their system very very quickly because if not you're going dean ambrose uh was different because he was younger brian danielson was younger um you'd have to pick up their system and, and it's like listen man uh it's going to a different football team and we have different coaches, different players, uh, p- different management styles. If you're used to a, you know, a West Coast offense, which is faster, more paced, and then they're going to go, well, we're going to – a running team, but I'm a wide receiver. I need you to throw me the ball, but we're going to hand off the ball. What do you do? It, it's You just better learn how to quickly adapt to that system, and it's also – try you have to have people creatively to get behind you and as well as can you get over in four minutes with entrance as opposed to you know someone investing a lot of promos in you in in an eight six to eight to ten minute match all right this is interesting to me tommy because you talk about and we i think as fans we know that the wwe has their quote-unquote style so no matter what you did outside of the wwe you need to adapt to the ways of the wwe but at the same time you're also not really playing 
to the wrestler's strengths. Like, I would think John Moxley would be an example of that. Like, if you hire a John Moxley, you know what you're getting. You may try to reinvent him, and they did, but is that the best way for success? And we've seen that with countless wrestlers as well. Now, there's certain wrestlers you could definitely still keep what they did outside on the inside of the walls of the WWE. I think uh, Daniel Bryan would be an example of that. AJ Styles would be an example of that. But, like, like an Apollo Crews, like... They never really tapped into his potential at all. So it makes me curious that why would you hire somebody from the outside if you're just going to completely change them when they're on the inside? Well, like I said, it's it's hiring them so other places don't uh, mm. use them, as well as it's hiring them to see if they could get over. And if not, then they're just a body that, can help get somebody else over or they're a body that can go out and have those good matches at a house show but we're not going to give you the biggest push on television and you know it's it just it's so different you know uh, i loved this week's monday night raw i love smackdown i really did i enjoyed both shows and then you look at the ratings and the ratings went down on monday when I was like, wow, they both were, I thought Monday was an excellent show. Uh, the one thing I, and I loved how they kept putting over the local flavor of Utah with the weather and how the fans braved it. And it looked like it was such a great, rowdy yes. crowd, but then the ratings were down. And then there's the very next week or the week before when you don't think the show is as good and the ratings go up. So it's such, because there are people who literally, their jobs are to make those ratings go up and television that's all they really care about, whether you have a quality show or not. But I thought WWE has been delivering quality television, and when the ratings go down, it's like, to me, it makes no sense. Well, it, it makes no sense to me either because, Tommy, that segment two weeks ago with Edge and Randy Orton was one of the best segments I've seen on Raw in years. That third hour did not do a great rating compared to the first two hours. And you're like, all right, not everyone knows what was going to happen. So this should follow up for the next week. And the ratings were down after you had one of the best segments you ever had in years. That's why when it comes to ratings in 2020, it's really hard to put a lot of stock in it. Because as you know, Tommy, having young children, they're on the phone, man. They're not watching TV. My daughter's not watching TV. Everything's on the tablet. Everything's on the phone. So I think when it comes to ratings, you have to look at that in a completely different way. Though it is fun to get a gauge from TV ratings. Yep. Uh, they delivered a quality program uh, both weeks. But when you talk about, for me and, and for a lot of wrestling fans, it's a waste. Like I, I'm a big big fan of Drew McIntyre. He was my pick for the Royal Rumble, and I love where they're going with him. You have Mojo, who's the, the champ. He just debuted the week before a new guy who's supposed to be his offensive lineman, mm -hmm. whose basically job is to protect this champion, and they do Drew versus Mojo, and he's beaten in three seconds. Yeah. How did that help anything for Mojo where he's going to go forward? Um, or... His the bodyguard guy or the offensive line guy just literally stood and watched his guy get his ass kicked. If it was different, if that one, I, there was just different ways to go around it. That's when, uh, when you talk about wasting stuff, where Mojo, who had nobody has really thought anything of him, even when he got his push, now he's showing his real personality. He's showing a lot more to it, 
and then he just gets done. And his Im- image went viral over the weekend because he was with Stephanie McMahon and Triple H with all those pictures at the Super Bowl. So, like, everybody saw that. I'm thinking when I saw Bojo Raleigh, I was like, maybe they're going to do a little something with him here. And like you said, it was just like a complete squash. It was like three seconds. Yeah. It's not even a squash. Yeah. It was turn around and, and get clicked. But, you know, it's to me that's wasting something that could have been a bigger build because now you have to rebuild somebody else. And you can't put all your eggs in one basket because, you know, every and I always say this, everyone should have stock and value if they're on your television show. A uh, couple of guesses on at Busted Open Radio. And when we come back from break, we'll definitely hit the, the Busted Open Nation on the phones. Uh, Mac Davis, uh, his guess is Nick Bockwinkle. No, excellent shirt, though. Uh, and Nick Bockwinkle was a world champion in the AWA, and you said that never Correct. held major gold. Uh, Double C, uh, Dick Murdoch. No, I do have a Dick Murdoch shirt. John Jones is one of the most dominant champions in UFC history. He might be the greatest talent that we've ever seen in the UFC. And at UFC 247, he defends his light heavyweight throne from dangerous knockout artist Dominic Reyes. Hey, John, hold that bell, baby. Let's go. Join Sirius XF Fight Nation this Saturday for full coverage beginning at 6 p.m. Eastern, followed by post-fight reaction and analysis starting at 1 a.m. Eastern. We bring the fight to you. Sirius XM Fight Nation. Channel 156. What are we waiting for? Let's go to the phones with Mickey. All right, let's go out to Mickey in St. Louis. Uh, Gabby, that was a good make good. Let's go out to give, uh, Mickey in St. Louis. What's up, Mickey? Hey, um, first off, I have to give you credit. I'm full honesty. I have called the Saturday show before, but I've never had an introduction. <laughs> so that puts you above um, the guy that works with um, – uh, Mark Henry. Ryan, that, his name, his name, his name would be Ryan McKinnell. He has a name. I know. We I call know, him. I, I mean, name, inside here, and inside like here, the, the walls of SiriusXM, we call him Beardy, but his <laughs> name is Ryan McKinnell. Good show, though. Thank Here's you. Here's my question: with all the stuff, and I, and I heard that the uh, revival have um, declined another contract offer. A free agent, and, and this is really more for Tommy, when a free agent goes to um, the WWE offices, knowing the history that you get signed and they forget you, what is the pitch that the WWE gives other than money to sign a, a, a free agent like, um, you know, like Cross or anybody that has a choice between there and, and AEW or betting on themselves and going independent? Um, I mean, what did they sell him on? Well, I mean, you, when you're for WWE, when WWE, you know, gives you the call, most people, you know, for a Kevin Cross, he's never been there. I mean, he went to NXT. They passed on him. He did the tryout. They passed on him. Impact picked him up. And then, shockingly, WWE then had interest on him. Um, but he had signed a contract. Uh, then... Impact let him go, so now he's a, a free agent. Um, if it comes to the choice of the, like, if you, I don't know about the revival status, but if you're there and you're a talent, they want to, uh, you know, make an offer to you like um, they had done to me or John Morrison or, you know, John Morrison left and then came back or, you know, MVP left, he you know, he had come back. It's all really for... For most people, their you know personal happiness. And Matt Hardy, if you follow him on social media, he puts it uh, out there a lot. What's up going on with him? 
And, you know, for me, you can only, you can't put a price on your happiness. And for the revival, if they're not happy being there, then for guys like that that do have a name, they can go somewhere else. Uh, doesn't mean that WWE has to let them out of their contract because they are under contract. Uh, I remember a long time, I had asked for my release twice while I was in WWE, um, <clears throat> and I was flat out told no, and this was when there was no competition. And you know what? I'm happy that I decided or I was told that, but they're also part of the contracts. If you remember like what happened to Brock Lesnar and could have happened to me for, let's say when you're injured, every day you're injured, WWE can continue to roll over that contract for many days that you miss. So let's say you miss 100 days because due to injury, you then tacked on 100 days that pretty much that you owe to WWE after your contract. Also, the same thing with um, like Brock Lesnar. He could not compete. You can quit. They don't have to give you your release. They just will sit you at home, nor do they have to pay you. But like when Brock left, he couldn't wrestle anymore in the United States. They, he found a very good lawyer that gave him the loophole that said he could go to Japan and wrestle, but that's when he tried out for the Vikings and all that stuff. So they could hold you forever not making a living in the WWE if you're under contract. If you're not under contract, you could do whatever you want. And the pitch is, hey, we're WWE. If you succeed, you're going to make a lot of money um, and give you that opportunity because it's the WWE and you never know what could happen. Or say they can give you a lot of money just to sit you so you don't go somewhere else. That's that's business. Um you know they're not they're signing a lot of talent now so they don't go other places and right that, but that's okay like you said you said something about um the two signees one being in their mid-30s and you kind of put that chronological clock on and said well are they going to main event wrestlemania 37 if you're sitting on the sideline waiting for them to find a good place to use you yeah you're you're making money but you're also lo- losing um I guess earning potential, I guess, would be the correct word because every year you're getting closer to 40 and then you're in your mid-40s and the clock is ticking while you're waiting for them to come up with something to use you for. Well, I guess in Timothy Thatcher's uh, place, he's never been there and it's also a weekly paycheck as opposed to, you know, being an independent wrestler, you, you get paid when you wrestle. Uh, if you don't have a booking that week, or it's also opportunity. I know he's doing stuff with Evolve. He's an excellent wrestler. You look at, uh, I like when all the other wrestlers tweet about somebody's hiring because you know he's a good wrestler and he's somebody like that they feel has earned it because he's paid his dues on the indies. But um, for him, it's the opportunity of I've never been there and, hey, what if? What if I do hit? I don't think people going in there on the, you know, the getting hired go, well, what if I, and I'm using this as an example, uh, if I'm the next EC3, but you know what? EC3 is sitting home getting a paycheck every single week. And if that's his happiness, cool. Because a lot of people, and I tell this to a lot of people, um, it it is hard for getting up every morning and going to work. And there's a lot of people who work two to three weeks, what let's say, I will make on a Saturday night. And I am very, very grateful for that. But 
for a guy sitting at home, literally, you have to do nothing. I knew people back when I was in talent relations making over $100,000 to literally sit home. And they were mad. And yes, you want to be used, but then go talk to somebody who's making $52,000 a year working every single day, nine to five. And that's not including your commute. That's, I'm saying like, you should be blessed that someone's paying you $100,000 to sit home. So it's all your personal happiness. But for guys like that, it's, hey, it's a steady paycheck. And what if I can make it? What if I, and if you can, if you can hit, hey, if um, if WWE invest the amount of time that Impact did to help make Kevin Cross a bigger star, then it will be beyond financially awesome for him. But if not, and he's just, you know, but it's also still, it's a weekly paycheck to literally sit in Florida and go to a performance center, which I hear is beautiful. So, and, and to what? To train? You could pay me to train. I'd love it. And I guess it's all, like you said, it's it's all, it all depends on the individual. There's a lot of, I know like MVP, MVP's goal was just to wrestle everywhere. He wanted to wrestle in the WWE. He wanted to wrestle in Japan. He wanted to wrestle with TNA. Like he just wanted to be a part of every wrestling association because he loved pro wrestling so much. And then there's a lot of wrestlers now, Tommy, you know that. All they knew was the WWE. They grew up watching the WWE. So even though they may be making money and making a living and do really well outside of that world, their dream was always to be in the WWE. And even if they may not be used the quote-unquote right way, they're living their dream by being a part of that company. Correct. And for me, I felt I had more to offer. And I just didn't want to be the guy who hung around. And I felt I had more to offer the wrestling industry. And I have not looked back. Cody, same thing. Felt he had more to offer. And you, the best example of the beauty of WWE is Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre was let go. He was fired. And you know what? He didn't rest on his laurels. He got in better shape. He went and worked other places. And then, boom, he became a bigger star coming back. If you look at the greatness of the territories, guys would leave because, so they don't get stale. Yeah. Or even when guys get hurt. It sucks to get hurt, but coming back, man, you're a whole new person. And hopefully that they can get behind you. Look at John Morrison coming back to the WWE. He hasn't missed a beat. He wrestled everywhere. And you know what? He, I like what they're doing because tag team wrestling is actually having being spotlighted and means more. And if you watch SmackDown, man, you have the return of the Usos, uh, Bobby Roode, and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Miz and Morrison. I loved uh, the the eight man, no, the scramble th- match that they did. And Tag I was like, match. man, if they had invested more in these talents before, this match would be even bigger. But it was still a great performance for the guys. But Miz and Morrison have literally brought tag team wrestling. They've made it cool again. So, uh, like I said, man, it's just there's two sides to every story, you know, and there's also the management side. And you, you know, got to look at the money too. And like absolutely. a steady paycheck. Like when you're on, like you mentioned, like when you're outside the WWE or if you're an indie wrestler and you're making good money, you know, that could end tomorrow. You don't get bookings. Like nothing's guaranteed. Like I know in the world of the WWE, you know, they're giving you opportunity, but at least, you know, whether they're, you're on TV, at least, you know, there's a steady paycheck that's coming for you. And hell man, 
Tommy, you know, if you have a family, that means everything. You know, if if the creative's not there, you're not getting the opportunities you hope for, you're not in the main event match, but you're getting a steady paycheck and it's a big one. When you have a wife and kids, that means absolutely everything. Absolutely. I used to get mad at wrestlers when they would leave ECW, and then I finally got it because, hey, if I had a family... I had nothing. I still lived at my parents' house during that whole thing called ECW. I was also in my 20s. ECW went out of business. I was 29 years old. And I had no mortgage. I had no children. I had nothing. But when guys are getting offered, you know, three, four $400,000 to jump to WCW for a year, and then guess what? Paul would bring them back anyway. I was the idiot. But it made me who I am. But what I'm trying to say is um, you – a steady paycheck for a lot of guys, hey, that's worth it, as opposed to, you know, I want to – but reinventing yourself or feeling you have something more to offer, it's a lot different from a guy in his 20s than a guy in his 30s. Yep, that makes sense. And Timothy sense. Thatcher's been doing this a long time, and now he has an opportunity, and I hope – he succeeds with that opportunity. Sirius XM Fight Nation celebrates Black History Month every weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern on the Ock and Barack Show. All month long, the show reflects on the life and legacy of different influential African-American athletes. Such icons as Muhammad Ali. Hey, I'm the king of the world. Kobe Bryant. You guys will always be in my heart. I love you guys. Jackie Robinson. Robinson dashes to the plate. Safe. And more will be recognized for the impact they made both in and out of sports. The Yak and Barack Show, weekdays noon till 3 Eastern, only on Sirius XM Fight Nation. I wanted to get your opinion on something that John Cena said in an interview with Sports Illustrated about Brock Lesnar. Alex, do you have that quote? Sure do, Dave. Uh, so Cena was, uh, we talked a little bit about this yesterday. Cena was interviewed uh, by Jimmy Traina at Sports Illustrated um, and was kind of asked about the Royal Rumble a little bit. And uh, Cena said this with regards to Brock's performance in the Rumble. I can say with the utmost sincerity that I believe Brock Lesnar is the best in-ring performer that I've seen. And I know it's an opinion. And if you want a cool quote, here it is. I think he's the best in-ring performer of all time. I thought his performance at the Rumble was a clinic on how to establish yourself, how to establish those around you, establish the championship, establish the importance of one event. He did so in less than 30 minutes, and I certainly don't have the skill set to do that. And it was awesome to be able to see a masterclass man put on a clinic on what to do and how to do it, and I was really impressed with the Rumble. Uh, so Jimmy asked him, so you're saying Brock is the best ever? And Cena says, I really do think so. I genuinely think he has a good understanding of who he is. I think he's the best at when he needs to be dominant. He's the best in situations of jeopardy. He makes people better. He still has a mystique about him that will draw eyeballs to watch him. And when he does, he never disappoints. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, for, I mean, obviously it's his opinion and... John Cena is not somebody I would say is a you know pro wrestling historian, but he thinks he's the best in-ring performer ever. Now, that means a lot of different things, but what do you think of a quote from John Cena? When it talks about marketability, when it talks about name value, the guy has been the champion for a long time. The guy has also been in the main event pitcher his in, pretty much his entire run in WWE. I've wrestled Brock, early Brock, and Brock is an awesome awesome wrestler and his performance at the Royal Rumble what John said was 1000% correct because he was the dominant monster and when he his his facials his selling 
when he got eliminated, that all helped make his opponent, Drew, mm-hmm. who eventually won the thing, look bigger, and now they're going to wrestle at the biggest stage of them all. And think of how many main event Brock Lesnar's been at WrestleMania. And so for John Cena to say that, and he's also wrestled him, uh, he's pretty dead on accurate. And you can't try to judge somebody's opinion as well as uh, if John Cena says something like that, I 100% agree with John's assessment uh, because of what's going on. By, now, the way, Bob, by the way, Bobby Eaton's calling me right now. Bobby Eaton is calling you? Yeah. Wow. I called him yesterday. I was wanting to know why he's not in Huntsville. It's his hometown. It, it is. That's re- you know, and for those who don't know, they're doing that the tribute um, for all that talent coming out. Big of heat. Um, Big Bobby for for AEW. Um, I'm surprised he knows how to use a cell phone. I should I didn't call him back. Yeah, Dave. What you're uh, referring to is tonight uh, in a- Huntsville, Alabama. AEW is doing a special meet and greet with uh, the stars of Continental and Southeastern Wrestling. I know Missy Hyatt featuring be there. Missy Hyatt, Arn Anderson, and Austin Idol. If on if Bobby Eaton's not there, I riot. I don't think he's scheduled to be Cur- there. currently not being promoted. No. Well, he should. Now I he's actually from there. I actually reached out to Missy Hyde and I said I heard you're going to be in Alabama for AEW and the tribute they're doing for Continental Wrestling. Love to get you on Busted Open, and her reply was, "I'll be in Alabama." And so. she unfollowed you. I haven't checked recently. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask her to like seek out MJF for you. No, I was just saying, you know, you're going to be in Alabama for that tribute. Love to get you on. She responded by saying the fact that I already threw out there, which she's going to be in Alabama. I don't know if you take that as a yes or a no, but I took it as a no. Yeah, it sounds like a no to that me. That sounds like a no to yeah. me, too. Yeah, I get the hint. Now, you mentioned Brock Lesnar. Obviously, Bully, a big fan of Brock Lesnar as well. I think he was... Um, you know, with Cena's comments, he agreed with a lot of what John Cena had to say. He even said, well, when it comes to the greatest of all time, that's opinionated. You know, everybody's going to have a different answer to that. Now, on our Saturday show with Ryan McKinnell and Mark Henry, Mark had this to say about John Cena's quote. I love Brock Lesnar as a performer and as a talent and as a draw, but that's a bold, bold statement. Being that John Cena's been around and he started off with Kurt Angle, a pretty damn good in-ring performer. There are at least two dozen guys, Hall of Fame caliber wrestlers. You, you, you're going to say that Brock Lesnar is better than The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and The Rock? Ric Flair? Now, Brock is young still. He's got another decade to wrestle. We could say in 10 years, possibly. Brock Lesnar can supersede all of the names that I just mentioned. But as of right now, I want to inform the world that John Cena has bumped his head. So obviously Mark Henry doesn't agree with John Cena. But I will say this, though. I think I don't. Do you see Brock Lesnar at, you know, 52 years old still wrestling? Because right now he's 42. So I don't know if Brock Lesnar is going to go for another decade. Um I know that Mark is high on Brock big time, and I think I truly think that Mark believes that when it's all said and done, that Brock Lesnar is going to be one of the best of all time. But I agree with Mark. I wouldn't put Brock on that list of the best of all time. That list is a hard list. Um, 
But if you're, if you guys are, if we're all sitting here, and Mark should have said split his wig, by the way, because that's what Mark should say, not knocked his head, because that was part of that was in Mark's. Uh, he must have got his wig split. Exactly. Um, if you want to talk about main eventing WrestleManias, I don't know how many Brock Lesnar has, but think of when we're talking about if if it's the old school. Well, I drew this many people and I drew this much money. Well, he's been the main event for a lot of years. Yeah. So to me, you put Brock Lesnar, and this is old school, on a poster. Think of how much money he generated for UFC when he came back. Think, I mean, he always was getting a push. He always was getting everything. So, he, he's a dude, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. The list goes when you say it, the best of all time. That That's all... S- for your experience with the person in the ring. And I know Mark has wrestled both John and Brock Lesnar. I've wrestled both John and Brock Lesnar. I wrestled them both at different times in their career. They, you know, you get better with the amount of reps you are in the ring. But, you know, I was fascinated when we had uh, David Deal on Mm -hmm. the phone because when he was breaking things down, I think every single person plays uh, Monday morning quarterback. But the way he was breaking down about getting your reps and all that stuff, I literally sat there and I was like, wow, I'm a mark. And when I say I'm a mark, I don't mean that as a negative term. But here's a guy who played the game and he was breaking it down to the whole next level to someone who watches it, someone who played it, but never played it at that level. And I was blown away with how he spoke about what he did and who was the best. And like, if you, you think... I'm sure if you asked, and you did, is Eli Manning a Hall of Fame quarterback? He'd probably say absolutely. But then you get so many people who've never played the game, or you get people who have played the game or never played with that guy and said, no, he's not. When John Cena says he's something, John Cena carried the flag for WWE for so long, that's John Cena's opinion. Uh, If you're talking about in-ring, man, Brock is great. And Brock is also great for the amount... He doesn't have to go out on the road. He doesn't have to do all this stuff and is earning so much money. And that is the greatness of Brock. And it's so subjective because you mentioned David Deal when he was on our show. The next day, as we were leading up uh, to the Super Bowl, we had Derek Brooks on. Derek Brooks was on the field on Sunday with the 100 greatest players in NFL history. I mean, my God, the thousands of, of people who have played. Millions. You know, and he's one of the top 100 who's ever played the game of football, but there probably be people that could argue, but it's hard to argue because when it comes to the world of football, Tommy, you could go by stats. Hey, Derek Brook was, you know, won a Super Bowl. Derek Brooks had this many tackles. Derek Brooks had this many sacks. Derek Brooks had this many interceptions. In in pro wrestling, you can't do that because the championships and all that's all subjective. Correct. So that's why it's so hard in pro wrestling to say, all right, this guy was the greatest ever. And you know, or woman, when people John Cena may not have been the best in ring worker, John Cena drew millions of dollars for the WWE, and John Cena became an amazing storyteller. And John Cena became everything he fought against every single hater and turned them into support. And he also fueled from those those haters. And, And you know. How could you not say John Cena is one of the greatest? And then people are like, oh, no, Stone Cold or Ric Flair, they're better technicians. No, it's it's all subjective. The Mount Rushmore thing that we always do, it's all subjective. 
you, and everybody everyone has says different the, guidelines. Like Bully would say, who drew the most money? Correct. I might say, who is the best in-ring technical wrestler? You might say, who is the most popular? Like, like there's so many things when it comes to pro wrestling. You know, well, Dusty Rhodes is the best. So he was he was by far the best talker. Like, it's so hard when it comes to that in pro wrestling. Correct. You cannot, you can't judge it for. You know who who's the best technical wrestler? Uh, okay, so you put Dean Malenko in there because you know he he was a great great wrestler. Um, but then okay, so was Chris Benoit. Okay, so was Eddie Guerrero. But then you you know I watched Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko wrestle and I was blown away. And then you look at you know someone else saw Eddie Guerrero and they got that amazing charisma out of him. And then you know Dean Malenko had a great career. Eddie Guerrero had a greater career but they're still great wrestlers yeah you can never ever give a mount rushmore or anything our own host bully ray decorated the the greatest tag team of all time and what does he say he doesn't say himself he says the road warriors the only person who says the greatest of all time is rick flair (laughs) well that's why when i say bully i never say the greatest tag team i say the greatest tag team wrestler correct it takes two to tango Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.